Welcome to the Author's Way podcast, a journey to finding your voice. I believe that our stories are powerful. Our experience have helped to teach us important lessons and our stories help us to use those lessons to teach others. Stay tuned to hear some great stories and learn how you can use your own stories to raise your professional profile, promote your brand and become a published author. Hi there. Welcome to the Author's Way podcast, the journey to finding your voice. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm very pleased that Michael Coles has agreed to join today and tell us a little bit about his book. Before we get into that, I just want to remind you that this podcast is brought to you by ExecuWrite. We are a ghostwriting and book consultant firm. We help authors, both published and unpublished, to raise their professional profiles, to increase their credibility in the marketplace, and to leave their legacy by writing their book and publishing their book. We have created a simple system to help authors to work through the process of getting their book done. If you have a book in your head, in your heart, in your soul, and you really want to find a way to get it done, get it published, and get it into the hands of your audience, head over to execurite.com. That's E-X-E-C-U-W-R-I-G-H-T.com and schedule a strategy session. Would love to hear your story. So let's just want to introduce Michael Coles. Thank you, Michael, for joining us today. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So Michael has had a very prolific and successful career. He went from 19 years of having a successful clothing business, went into entrepreneurship. You may know him as the co-founder of the Great American Cookie Company. That's the, the cookie company that you see in the malls across the country. He has also run for uh, national office. He has been CEO of Caribou Coffee, a very successful CEO. He was um, successfully took the company public. He was the chair of the Georgia Film Video and Music Advisory Board that has really helped Georgia to become number one in film production and TV production across the world. He also has his name on the Michael J. Coles College of Business at Kennesaw State. And he he and his wife actually endowed the school and they received approval from the Board of Regents to name the school after him. That's just a few things. He's also been a philanthropist, has done many other things for the community. So welcome, Michael. Thank you. Thank you. I got exhausted hearing all that. <laughs> It's been a very fascinating career. It has been. And uh, let me just say a couple of things. First of all, I did not write the name of my book, which I'll do a little self-promotion mm -hmm. if we can see it. Oop, I guess you can see it. Yeah. 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 Time to Get Tough, How Cookies, Coffee, and a Crash Led to Success in Business and Life. And I didn't write this book really to boast about my career. I really wrote the book because I felt like the kind of success I have, and I've been very fortunate, is I think the kind of success that a lot of people could identify. I grew up as a poor kid, started working when I was 13 years old, not to buy stuff for myself, but really to help support my family. And 
to have had the opportunities that I've had, I felt a lot of people would be able to identify with. I read a lot of business books and a lot of them I can learn from them and I perhaps could aspire to some of the things in those books. But generally, a lot of the books that I've read, the success is so beyond what most people could relate to, like Steve Jobs or Warren Buffett or Bill Gates and so many other, really so many other entrepreneurs that have had this tremendous success. You can learn a little bit from their journey, but on the other hand, can you really identify with that kind of success? And it's kind of like in many ways, when you set a goal for yourself, if you don't have these kind of small intermediate goals to get you to where you want to go, you kind of give up. And so the leap to go from perhaps somebody that's working on a retail counter that has an idea and then looking at what Bill Gates, as an example, has accomplished, that's a pretty broad jump to make. So with me, you know, being in the cookie business, the clothing business, the coffee business, especially the cookie business where, you know, my partner and I started the company with only $8,000 and grew it to $100 million uh, in revenue uh, sales company, uh, cookie, cookie company. The reason I think people could identify with that is because it's kind of like a lemonade stand. You know, it doesn't seem real complicated. It's just cookies. I mean, there's obviously a lot more to it. But I wrote the book really to hopefully to help people get out of their safe space, and perhaps do more than they thought they might have. It took me 25 years to write the book. I kept keeping little notes and probably like a lot of people who have an idea to write a book, you take these notes, you have memos, you build a file, but I could never seem to get myself out of the way of not doing it until literally one day I wrote a note to myself on my phone and that I figured I would want to use someday if I wrote a book. And I finally realized that I'd spent all this time taking these notes, but had no real action plan. And it was that day that I decided to call Catherine Lewis, who's my co-author. And when I met with Catherine and when we worked for the next two and a half years to write the book, I realized that one of the things I had been waiting for 25 years was to write this book with Catherine Lewis because she was amazing. She found my voice. We had a great working relationship. She kept me on track. And I will say this, I've done a lot of things that were very difficult, but writing a book is hard. And I think that's why it just, that's why a lot of people never do it because the writing itself is one thing. The editing is torturous, <laughs> you know, and then of course you got to find a publisher, which hopefully you have before you even start the writing, which we did, but it's been an amazing experience. My book is a motivational book and I've had experiences along the way from people who have read the book that have been so rewarding that many of those single incidents would have been enough to have spent those two and a half years writing the book. One of the things that I really enjoy about your story is, are the stories that you tell is there's a lot of, not to be harsh about, but there's a lot of failures in your stories. And you talk a lot about how you find ways to overcome those. And there's a lot of learning in that process. Well, you know, there's a great amateur golfer, probably the greatest amateur golfer of all time was a guy named Bobby Jones. And Bobby Jones had a great motto, which frankly is one that I've carried with me for a long time, which was he said that I never learned anything from a golf tournament I won. Mm -hmm. And I think that really is the case for 
And that's not just about business. I mean, it's also about just life and experiences mm -hmm. you have with maybe your significant other or wife or husband or a friend, whatever it may be. I mean, we come to these crossroads of where something goes wrong. And for me, I know that in, especially in business, the difference between success and failure is always how you deal with the unexpected. Every Anybody that lays out a plan. And if it went really smooth, then everybody could be successful. But the truth is, is that the road to success is not a straight line. It's about things that come up all the time that, I guess, you could call it Murphy's Law. I mean, it's the things you don't plan for and how you deal with those. And you're right. My book is full of all, so many of the things that did not go well that we learned from. And in fact, made sure that we knowing we were going to make more mistakes, but we would not make the same mistakes. And if we made a mistake, we already had a skill set built in on how to deal with it. That's important. Those teachings I found, you know, even for myself, those learnings just make me much more resilient and hopefully the people around me much more resilient because hopefully I can use the lessons that I've learned to keep people from making some of the same mistakes that I've made. Yeah. So, you know, again, my story and, and the reason why I feel like a lot of people could perhaps get motivated from it is that, you know, as I said, we started the company with only $8,000. We had to sign a lease and personally guarantee it for $25,000 a year for 10 years, a quarter of a million dollars. We borrowed $25,000 from CNS Bank then in Atlanta. Uh, we had to personally guarantee that. They were so confident that our cookie company was going to fail that they send forensic accountants to my partner's house and my house to inventory all of our personal assets so that when we failed, not if we failed, but when we failed, they didn't have to go through the court system to get their $25,000. They could basically just step in and take all of our personal assets. And with all of that, we were so determined to open this business. And on the first day of business, which story is a lot more detailed in my book, we almost caught, literally caught the oven that was baking our first batch of cookies caught on fire because we had no, we had forgotten a $3 set of oven mitts to get the cookies out of the oven. And the mall could have at that day could have broken our lease and my partner and I both would have been bankrupt. That would have been the end of it. We, it would have been the end of our business. And, you know, fortunately, the mall manager, a guy named Jeff Weil, gave us a second chance and didn't break the lease. So we were able to open again with, you know, with really great success. But it just shows you that we could have lost everything because we forgot, like I said, a $3 set of oven mitts. And how we dealt with that was basically to clean up a big mess and persevere and open the next day. And this time remembering oven mitts, knowing what we learned that day was even though we had studied the business for over a year, there was so much about the business we didn't know. And that there would be other things that would come up as a metaphor. There would be other oven mitt incidents, but that we would make sure we learned from them and never made those same mistakes again. That's actually one of my favorite stories. I've heard you tell it a couple of times. And to me, it's also a very interesting story about risk, about you know, having a belief in something and taking the risk to, you know, really work at it and make it happen. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't recognize the fact that it is about taking a risk. And you also have to understand that as you're traveling up the road of building your business or your life, 
it really comes down to the fact that success and failure run right alongside mm-hmm. each other. At any moment, you know, you can make a right turn and walk right into failure. But the question is, you know, how do you get yourself back on track and keep moving towards whatever that success is you've determined for yourself? And for me, it's always been about setting smaller goals in in between bigger goals to get yourself across. And frankly, I never learned that lesson any better than six weeks after we started the company when I woke up in Northside Hospital with two doctors standing over my bed telling me I'd never walk again unaided and had, you know, basically this is again, the company was only six weeks old, but, you know, considering the alternative not waking up, I guess I thought that was okay. Mm -hmm. But virtually that motorcycle accident changed the course of my life in something that could have been very detrimental, something that could have been a real tragedy in my life turned out to make it a real triumph in my life. And that's kind of one of the things that runs through the the whole book is how do you turn tragedy into triumph? It's such a powerful message. And I think we've all had those, maybe not as drastic as that kind of an incident, but we've all had those moments in our lives where we've been laid off from a job or had to make a change because of a family incident. I had to, you know, make different decisions because of, you know, different things happening in our lives or in our careers. And it's that, it's really that resilience that helps us to get to that next step. And I know for myself, I don't think there's ever been anything that I thought was a negative at the time that didn't turn, help me turn it into something much bigger and better. Well, you know, one of the things I always talk about when I was 10, my dad went bankrupt. And we lost our house. I had to give away my dog. And for a 10-year-old kid, bankruptcy was you lose your house, you lose your dog. And I didn't really understand bankruptcy until a few years later when I was almost 13. Because when we, my dad, we lost the house, we moved to a very nice apartment and we took all of our stuff with us. And for a kid, when you have your stuff around, I mean, the, the fact that you don't have your house anymore, all of it still felt pretty normal other than the fact I moved to a new neighborhood. I had to make new friends. But the realization of so much of that hit me when my dad, who kept thinking he would recover and get our life back, he kept spending at a higher rate than he should have. And by the time I was almost 13, he was back in as much debt as he had been. And in fact, his wages were being so garnishy that he was barely bringing home a paycheck. And literally... My family sold all of our personal possessions, furniture, dishes, everything. And in the middle of the night, we moved to Florida, which was a debtor state. So my dad's wages couldn't be garnished anymore. And so he thought, again, he could get a fresh start. But I remember waking up that morning after we moved to Florida in this horrible apartment that was less than 300 square feet. And basically, it was one bedroom. My parents had to sleep on an unscreened porch. There was no air conditioning in this place. And it was really a horrible apartment. And I guess I woke up that morning and I really understood what bankruptcy meant, which is that everything you were used to basically has just been taken away from you. And I remember waking up that morning and thinking to myself, I really had two choices. I could accept the fact that my dad or think about the fact that my dad would recover and that this was a temporary situation or I could resolve myself to the fact that I need to get a job 
and try to help my family, which is what I decided to do. It was not heroic, and I was not happy about it, frankly, because the moment I made that decision, I knew that my teenage years were going to be very different than what I thought they might have been on the drive to Florida. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, I need a, I need something in my head to help me overcome adversity. And I remember thinking of the story, and I'm going to go back to something you just said, thinking of the story of David and Goliath. And I remember thinking, you know, the David walks into the valley, this very small man takes on this enormous giant, not only wins the battle against the giant, but kills the giant. And for a lot of people, that's a great takeaway. But for me, the takeaway of that story was always the fact that David had the courage to step into the valley in the first place. And throughout my book, the Goliath image is there. It's been a part of my life, I guess, ever since I was a kid. And all of us face Goliath challenges every single day, whether for me it was like learning how to walk or all the other obstacles perhaps I've faced. But for other people, maybe it's changing careers, going back to school, going through a bad divorce, trying to get back into shape. All those are Goliath challenges. And I think that the hopefully the thing that they will take from the book is that the book will give them the courage to take that first step and walk into the valley. Well, you know, talking about courage, it writing a book like what you wrote with very personal stories, that takes a lot of courage. So what did you feel like you personally got out of writing your book? Well, you know, honestly, I didn't realize, I didn't realize how much courage it took until it was done. Because it was really more like, you know, you're kind of in a vacuum writing the book. Mm -hmm. And I think, Jennifer, I think I may have shared this story with you. The first, when the book was launched, October 18th, I'm sorry, in October of 18, it was launched at Kennesaw State University. And we spent, was there the whole day. We spoke from anywhere from a thousand people and the actual big, broad opening of the book. And then I went and taught a couple of classes. And in the classes, the young people in the class had read my book. You know, I've been giving, I've been doing public speaking for probably 30 years. And generally, I would say that I was never asked a question I had in, you know, in the beginning, of course, there were new questions. But after 30 years of doing this, you know, you hardly ever get a question you haven't heard before. Well, with the first class I walked into, and they had all read my book, the questions I got were so personal. And it really threw me because it's like, it was like almost an out of body experience because it didn't ever dawn on me that all these people were going to learn all this stuff about me. And in the past, when I came into a room, I always felt like I knew more about them than they knew about me. And I was there to share my life experience. But in this case, they already had my life experience. And so the questions were just very personal. And it threw me for at first for a bit of a loop until I kind of settled in and realized that this is what it will be like now. You know, when you go somewhere, if people have read your book, they know a lot about you. And it's been a real joy. I mean, I've had incredible experiences, people I haven't met, people who have reached out to me through either email or have literally sought me out at a place where I was speaking to tell me how much the book has meant to them, including one of our mutual friends who told me he carried this book with him in Afghanistan every day mm. into battle. And that it was the one that was the book that really kept him going every day. And to have that kind of an experience 
I have to tell you, honestly, if that had been the one experience I had had after writing the book, it would have been worth the two and a half Mm -hmm. years. And there's been just a ton of experiences like that. And I'm so grateful that how the book has been accepted. And the other thing is, I never imagined writing this book the year before we had COVID and the Mm -hmm. pandemic and the effect and the meaning that the book could take on during, during that pandemic. Because for a lot of people that I heard from, read the book, and it really gave them kind of a sense that we can get through this, you know, and we can get our lives back to whatever the new normal would be. So I would really, anybody that's listening to this, that's thinking about writing a book and has a story to share that they think would be beneficial, you know, whatever the struggle is, do it, get it out there, and then go promote it and go talk to groups about it. That is, you know, I talked to a lot of people about writing the book, and that's a really powerful message because it really is about leaving a legacy and helping. There are so many things that happen in our lives that we deal with that we can help to teach other people. And I feel like, you know, for myself, I feel like, am I even doing a disservice by not sharing the stories and helping because, you know, maybe they do help even just one person. You know, I think that there's a theory about playing it forward. Mm-hmm. And I don't know of anything that can help do that more than, you know, even if it's not a book, an article or uh, a talk that people go to and through someone else's experience can in fact get that sense of playing it forward. And for me, I mean, this is like playing it forward on steroids. But I'm grateful for the reception, but I'm also thankful that I finally got around to doing this. So you do a little bit something that's a little unique with your book. You have a foundation and the proceeds from the book actually go to benefit the foundation. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I would love to. Let me give you a little background. Back in 1998, I did run for the U.S. Senate, and I knew very little about veterans' benefits. And in the early weeks of my campaign, I literally had a general from Georgia come to my office, and he put a pamphlet on my desk, and it said, promises made, promises broken. And I didn't know anything about this. And I thought this was going to be like a 15-minute meeting, and it turned into an all-day meeting. I went with this general We went to a VA hospital. We went and visited a bunch of veterans at different clubhouses almost where a lot of them hung out. And I basically, at the end of that day, veterans and how veterans have been really let down became the centerpiece of my campaign. And when I didn't win my race for a long time, Don and I tried to figure out something we could do that might benefit veterans. We can't do everything we'd like to do, but maybe we could do something. And so at Kennesaw State University, we put a a million dollars into a veterans scholarship fund to get it going. And basically what the fund does is it picks up tuition, books, whatever other expenses veterans may have to finish their education after the GI Bill runs out. And when I wrote the book, we gave the copyright to KSU. The cop- KSU has a copyright to the book and all of the royalties, all of my honorariums that I receive for speaking engagements related to the book, all of that goes back into the scholarship fund. And, you know, it's, again, it's a way of, you know, helping 
not as big as we'd like it to be, but it's, it is of some help. And hopefully we can continue to build that fund where it'll help more and more veterans. So what I always say to people, if you buy the book, just remember you're helping a veteran. And if you like the book, post a review on you know Amazon or wherever you like to, because reviews do help sell books. And when you do that, you know again, you're helping a veteran somewhere. And, you know, one, one other thing I just say, you know, Betty Siegel, who was a very good friend of mine, was the president of Kennesaw State University for over 30 years, had a great expression. She said, the greatest joy that anyone can ever receive is helping people they'll never meet. And I think that's one of the things I've carried and my wife and I have carried for many, many years is the idea of helping people you'll probably never meet. That's a very powerful statement. So what do you see? next, either for yourself or for the foundation? What's kind of your next your next thing? Well, I spend a, a lot of time now. I'm mentoring a lot of young people. Some, you know, are one-offs and some been talking to for years. I really like that. I learn a lot as well working with young people because truthfully, they have a different way of thinking about building businesses, building careers, because they've grown up with social media, you know, where someone like me has to kind of learn it. They've lived it and it's a different experience. So I get a lot out of it as well. Still do a lot of nonprofit work. I like that. I do some, I do consulting for a few different companies, work with a private equity firm. But the truth is, is that the major enjoyment for my life right now is just helping others, being able to see what I can do to help. I mean, my story about my motorcycle accident and recovering and setting, you know, three world records across the United States on a bicycle is also something that people seem to really get a lot of energy from and feel like once again, it's, you know, well, if you could do that. Matter of fact, the last line of my book is I know you can do this. And when I think about that, sharing that story, both from a physical issue and both from a economic issue and business issue. And the fact that it has helped people, it's probably the best, it's the best thing I can do now, I would say for the, in this stage of my life and my career, I'm not looking to start a new business again, but I, I love talking about a business and talking about how to grow it successfully and avoid some of the pitfalls that people may face. I think the best thing that an entrepreneur can do for other people is try to guide them from the mistakes that are so easy to fall into. And some of them are just, you know, you just don't learn them in business school. You know, you don't learn them unless you experience them. And some of them are so easily, the trap of some of the pitfalls of growing a business, you just, it's like it's right in front of you, but you don't see it. And you can fall into that trap and what could have been a great success could turn into something completely different. So other than for your foundation, other than, you know, buying the book, are there, is there any way else that the listeners could potentially, you know, contribute to the foundation or help in any way to help, you know, veterans? Well, you know, first of all, the buying of the book is very important, but, you know, I do a lot of speaking to a lot of business groups. And if there's people out there that would like to hear my story in front of a group, you know, I'd love to them go to my website and contact me, which is michaelcoles.com. And, you know, we can talk about how 
maybe in a bigger way that they could contribute, you know, through maybe some type of an event that they're having and need, they need a uh, keynote speaker. I still do that a lot. And that would be great. Okay, nice. And, and I'll have to say, I've heard you speak three or four times now and very powerful, very powerful stories that you have. I've really enjoyed it. As a matter of fact, this was actually before your book even came out. This was would have been about five or six years ago. I saw you at an event and I actually walked out of the event. I was working on something. I had a challenge myself and you gave me an idea in your talk that helped me to solve the problem that I was I was working on. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Really? It was interesting. And I went back and I was telling people, oh, I just saw this great speaker and he, he solved my problems for me. So it was awesome. After... I broke my cycling record, bicycling record across the country, which was in 1984. In 1985 is really when I started doing a lot of public speaking. The title of my talk now is Taking on Goliath. That's been, mm. that's kind of been the theme. But before that, the title was Against the Wind. And the reason for that was in 84, when I rode across the country, I had tremendous headwinds all the way across the country. And I gave a talk. I even remember where it was. It was at 103 West in Atlanta. And I did this talk about similar to what you've seen, but obviously I've had more experience since then. Right. So it's a little bit different. And I talked about the fact that everybody faces headwinds in their careers and their, you know, their lives. And about a year and a half after I gave that talk, I had remembered this woman coming up to me at the end of the talk. And saying that she had been very motivated by what I had to say. And that's nice to hear. That's nice to hear. But you never really know where that goes. I, I mean, I, that happens even now. But about a year and a half later, I got a letter because there was no email. I'm sure I would have gotten an email or a text now. But about a year and a half later, 1985, I got a letter from this woman. And she and her partner were facing a tremendous problem in their business. And what they both realized, they were trying to get, they were trying to solve the problem in a really big way, as opposed to taking, for lack of a better term, baby steps to solve the problem. And they had completely solved it. And she said, we realized we were just up against the wind. And mm. that, that if we figured out a way to just be able to put up with the wind and just make, take small steps to get through it, we could do it. And she went through telling me the kind of success they now had. And it was honestly, it was that moment when I realized that maybe my story does resonate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty powerful. I've enjoyed the book. I've enjoyed, you know, seeing you talk about your experiences. So there's been a lot that I personally have gotten out of it. Well, thank so, you. Appreciate yeah. That. So. Thank you so much for joining me today. I have really enjoyed this. I think the listeners will get a lot out of this as well. And I appreciate you talking about you know, the book process. I think that that it will be very meaningful because I talk to a lot of authors. There's a lot of authors that listen to this podcast. And we have a lot of things that hold us back. And I think some of the things that you've talked about, you know, just taking those risks and it is a hard process. It is not easy, but it can be very, very rewarding. I think well, if you can get yourself through it. Let me just say a couple of things just about the process, because mm -hmm. some of it's kind of funny. And I think people will be able to identify with it. Mm -hmm. 
someone told me very early on, this is probably 10 years ago, that about when I really started thinking about actually doing this. They said, what you should do is you should get up in the morning early, if that because I'm an early riser. They said, whatever part of the day where you feel the most creative is when you should do this. So I said, well, for me, it's probably really early in the morning. So, well, you should sit down in front of your computer or typewriter or whatever people are using to write and just make yourself stay there for an hour. And no matter what you do, just start typing, just whatever, anything. If you can do it, just have a thought and start typing. And I tried that. That did not work for me (laughs) at all. I mean, it just didn't work. I mean, I would sit there and it's like the longest hour of your possible life. And I would really try on my computer to start typing things. But the problem is the internet. The minute I would start typing something, I would say, oh, let me go look that up. (laughs) The next thing you know, the hour is gone. For me, I needed somebody to help me. I needed somebody Mm -hmm. to keep me on track. Other people, I have a buddy of mine. He's written four books now, never wrote a book before. That was his process. Two hours, three days a week, sit in front of the keyboard and write whatever came to mind. And again, for other people, maybe it is having somebody else that keeps mm-hmm. you participant. Catherine and I, we worked every morning, three well, three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We worked from 5.30 in the morning till 6.30 or 7. She would type up everything we did. And then on Tuesdays, we would edit. And then we would get back on track on Wednesday and go back through what we wrote. And then on Thursday, we would go back we would go back and edit again. And then on Friday, we would come back and try to finalize it. That was our, that's what we did for a year and a half. And that seems like, how could you possibly do that every day for a 250 page book? But with Catherine's process was that you start with a thought and you complete the thought before you move on to something else. And it just kept me on track. And I realized as an entrepreneur, I guess, is that was the hardest thing for me to do is that discipline to stay on track, to finish the thought before you went to another thought. And for me, that worked. It may not be that way with other people, but here's the last thing I would say. If you have the idea of a book, whatever kind of discipline it takes to get it down on paper, to get it down on your computer or however you're going to do it, just start doing it. And eventually it will come together. When I taught a class at Kennesaw State University, and I remember thinking about the fact that I, as I sat down with, again, I had an assistant professor had somebody work with me on class. It was almost the same thing. He said, here's what you do over the next 60 days. Every time you have a thought about what you'd like to have in the class, write it down. I said, really? Just write down the thoughts? He said, yeah. He said, I guarantee at the end of 60 days, you'll have a syllabus. I said, really? You think I'm going to have enough to teach a 16, 15-week course? He said, well, just try it. And I did it. I did it for two months. And at the end, we could have taught a course for like 60 weeks because there was so many little nuggets of things that I wanted to try to get across to students. And, and actually, that probably was really the beginning of getting ready to write the book is being able to do that. And I would say that to other people as well. Write your thoughts down. Mm-hmm. Don't do what I did. Don't bury them in a folder for 25 years, but write them down and then start putting them in an order of chapters and what are the messages you want to get across. And eventually you'll have a book. That's really good advice. I love that. Yeah. So one more question for you, and then I'll let you go. Are there any books that you have read that have been 
really inspiring for you that are the books that, that you always recommend? There's actually two. One is a book that's not even, a, it's not a business book. It's actually a book that was written by a historian by the name of David Halberstam, and that's H-A-L-B-E-R, Halberstam. David Halberstam is probably the, one of the greatest history writers that's ever been around. And he wrote a book called The Reckoning, which is a really long book. It's probably, I don't know, seven or 800 pages. And I picked it up in an airport. My wife and I were going away for a week and I figured I needed a book to read. And I just started reading the cover and the cover, what the book was about, it was the story of Henry Ford from his birth and how he built the Ford Motor Company. And it was the story, I can't remember the guy's name, who started Nissan at his birth. And it goes through their lives, how they grew up and how they created their companies. It's the book, I don't believe, it's not in print anymore. So if you find one, you'll find it cheap because it's going to be a used copy. But it, this is back in the day when everyone thought the Japanese were going to take over the world again, you know, from business. They were killing Americans in the fact that they were taking their businesses. They were destroying the American automobile business. And it really talks about why that happened. Now, it's not happening anymore. But what I learned from that book, from my own business, was some of the disciplines that American business had that was really came out of the monarchy. You know, when you look at the way businesses were created in the United States, if you think about how they were back in the early days, you had, well, you didn't even have a CEO back then. Basically, you had a chairman or president. But the people that spoke to that highest level were never the people on the front line. And it was kind of like, if you think about king and queens, they never speak really to their people, right? Mm -hmm. They have all these buffers between them, and that's all changing now. And so this talks about how in Japan, the head of the company, everyone that worked in the plant knew that they could go to the head of the company, knock on the head of the company's door and tell them an idea or tell them something that was wrong if it wasn't being taken care of by their immediate supervisor. That was like, it wasn't considered going above anybody's head. It was just considered a way of having dialogue with the people that in fact are really creating the product. So I changed my whole company after that in the way we reported to each other, in the way I dealt with the people that were, because I was just a victim of the way things were always done. And so I changed it. The second book is a book called Execution. It's really my favorite business book. And it talks about how execution in a business is not an event. It has to become part of the framework of the company. It's an evolving thing that is always going on in your business. And those two books have really guided me in a lot of what I did in my career. And then, of course, there's other books about, you know, human capital and how you have to think about people and how you have to, you know, grow your business and all that. There's a lot of books like that. But those two books are the ones that stand out most in my mind. Nice. I have read Execution. It is it was one that really helped me a lot in my career as well. It's, it was a great book. Yeah. Well, now I'm going to make you, yeah. now, now I'm going to tell you something that's going to make you very jealous. I got to have Larry, I got to have dinner one night, one-on-one with Larry Bossidy, one of the co-writers oh, wow. of the book. And I brought him this book, which lines mm-hmm. through it and highlighted things. And, you know, he signed it for me. Oh, that's nice. Yes, I am jealous. That would have been fascinating to have a conversation. Yeah, it was one of the really the highlights of my career was having them. 
Yeah. Nice. Nice. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate this. This has been great information. This has inspired me and hopefully, you know, some of the listeners as well. So I thank you for your time. Thank you for your insights. And, you know, hopefully the audience will get a lot out of this. So I appreciate it. Thanks, Jennifer. And I look forward to, you know, seeing you around with Lana and um, getting to know you a little bit better as well. So thanks. Thanks. Yes. Yes. You too. All right. Well, thank you so much to the audience. I look forward to hearing from you and seeing you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Author's Way podcast. I'd love to hear from you about any future topics you'd like me to cover or other authors you would like to hear from. Head over to my Facebook page, The Author's Way, like that page, and join a community of writers, authors, and fans. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. Thanks again, and I'm looking forward to seeing you next time.